Some would have you believe, just name it and claim it. Well, Pastor Xavier Reese has the simple truth. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for them. The promise must be seen in its context. The one who is abiding in Jesus, the vine, the one who is picking up his cross and following Jesus, he can ask anything and it will be done for him or her. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much is a promise we get from the Epistle of James. And from the Gospel of John, ask what you will and it shall be given to you. Now, taken out of context, this sounds like a deal too good to be true, right? Well, wait, there's more, as they say. Pastor Xavier Reese has the simple truth today in a message called The Vine and the Branches, where he explains God is good for His Word. Let's listen. We want to look at the discourse of Jesus regarding the vine and the branches in relationship to bearing fruit, which is expounded in three movements from verse 1 to 8. The first movement is the proclamation regarding fruit, verse 1 and 2. The second is the interpretation regarding fruit, verse 3 through 5. And then thirdly, the application regarding fruit, verse 6 through 8. Let me read the text. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that he may bear much fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. The first movement we see is the proclamation regarding fruit. The Lord Jesus declared himself to be the true vine, literally the vine true. The word true means truthful, ideal, genuine, opposed to the false or the degenerate. That's important. He has said already that he's a true light in John 1, 9. He has said he's the true bread from heaven in John 6, 32. He has said he's the true God through the mouth of Paul in 1 Thessalonians 1, 9. And he has said through the mouth of John the Beloved in Revelation 3, 7, he is holy and true. Now the vineyard was a symbol for Israel. The symbol of a vineyard was a very common thing for Israel, plus the very concept of vineyards was a 
everyday lifestyle throughout Israel. Notice that the Father is declared to be the vine dresser. Jesus is the true vine, the Father is the vine dresser. The word vine dresser means the husbandman or the tiller of the soil or literally the farmer. Notice he takes away every branch in him that does not bear fruit. There are branches that do not bear fruit and merely take life and nourishment from the ones who do. So there's two types of branches here, right? Don't miss that. Then there are branches who do bear fruit and they're left. The cutting back may seem drastic and even unwise, yet it will allow the vine to gain strength and to produce a better quality and a greater quantity of fruit. Why? Because the purpose of a vine is to reap as much fruit as you can. Nobody ever plants a vine and says, well, you know, I don't want too many graves, just a little bit. <laughs> now, from the proclamation, he moves to the interpretation regarding fruit. Verse 3 through 5. You are ready, already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. They were already clean. Jesus was talking about being justified before God by believing him as Messiah. The word clean means to wash, to purify physically, spiritually, or ethically. Now, it is a different form of the same word prune in verse 2. Same words here. Notice then, they had been cleansed by the words Jesus had spoken to them. That's how they were cleansed, okay? The gospel message that sanctified the believer for the work of God through the work of the Holy Spirit is what? The work of pruning. It's the work of pruning. Now, we don't like the way the Lord prunes us sometimes, huh? So, Lord, look what you did to me. He says, yeah, it's good, isn't it? Oh. oh, that hurts. It's okay. Hang on. For your good. I want some big grapes. I don't want these BB-sized ones you're producing, man. Now, notice, secondly, the abiding of the branch is absolute for bearing fruit. Verse 4, don't miss that. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. The abiding speaks of dwelling and walking in obedience to the words of Jesus. It's very simple. Obeying the word. Now it's transferred to them. Neither can you unless you abide in me the true vine. They had no potential to bear any fruit for God apart from the vine, Jesus Christ. The abiding of the branches guarantees fruit bearing. Listen to him. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Jesus is the vine, the source of the fruit. That's clear by now. He has said it in many different ways. Notice how he's going out of his way to say the same thing from different perspectives. He's not saying many different things. He's saying one thing many different ways. Very important. Now, as any good preacher or teacher, there's always the proclamation first, what it says. Then there's always the interpretation, what it means. And then he must always finish with the application. How does it affect me? What is my responsibility? 
And this is what he moves to in verse 6 to 8. The application regarding fruit. Notice first in verse 6, the consequences of not abiding in Christ, the vine, are given. First, the negative. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Notice first, he is cast out as a branch and withered. The word withered means simply to dry up, to have no life in itself. The reference is certainly to Judas Iscariot, who has just gone out to betray Jesus. That certainly has to be a connection at least from one aspect. The word is used for the seed that had no root in itself and withered in the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, 6. Remember, it came up quickly, but it had no root. It withered. The statement is that if anyone does not abide in me, there's the condition. If anyone does not abide in me, the statement is to believers, not unbelievers. Here's the key. Who is Jesus talking to? His disciples. The individual is implied to be abiding and warned about not abiding or as the branch is separated from the vine and removed, so will he. Do you see the simple teaching? He's made the parallel between the branches and the disciples, and he makes the application now. The individual's result is as a branch withered, having no longer a connection to the vine. He says they are cast out, gathered, and thrown into the fire and burned. The reference to fire in the context of separation from God is always judgment. John the Baptist told the Pharisees that if they did not bear any fruit worthy of repentance, it was a tree without good fruit and would be cut down and cast into the fire. Matthew 3, 7 through 10. That's only one of many passages. The constant warning of the New Testament is that of being cast into Gehenna that burns with brimstone and fire, which is the second death, Revelation 21.8. A constant warning. Remember, this is not a parable that is teaching merely one truth, but an allegory, and Jesus is giving the meaning and the details to it. So don't mess with the details. Yes, the central message is to be fruitful in the Christian life. That is the central message. But Jesus is also warning very strongly to his disciples the potential of not abiding. Otherwise, the warning would be useless, having no possibility. Let me illustrate. You go out in the front yard and you tell your child, I want you to stay in the front yard, you hear me? Because there's all kinds of cars running around here that may kill you. Now, is that warning to your child fictitious? Is there no reality in the possibility? Oh, yes, there is. That's why you warn. 
Let's give God a break then, okay? God is not trying to scare us with things that are not possible. God is warning us of real possibilities. The lesson is from the lesser to the greater, always. The obvious observation is that those who are gathered and thrown into the fire and burn were attached to the vine. Nothing is said about appearing to be attached. Do you read that? You go buy a vineyard and you're the farmer. Oh, no, that appears to be attached. It's not. No. Now, we know that there are people in the church who are not Christians. They smell like Christians. They talk like Christians. They walk like Christians. But they're not Christians. First John says they went out from us because they were not of us. For if they were of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out from us to show that they weren't of us. So that is a possibility. But... Jesus is talking to his disciples. And the warning is straight to them, not to anyone else. Notice, secondly, he gave us first the negative, now the positive. Verse 7, the consequence of abiding in Christ, the vine. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done to you. The meaning of abiding in Christ is twofold. First, the personal relationship. If you abide in me. The phrase speaks of a dependency for life. The phrase speaks of trust for everything. The phrase speaks of a daily walk with him, personal. Paul tells us in Ephesians that the phrase in Christ is key to the believer's position and intimate relationship for God to work through him and in him. In Christ, 27 to 30 sometimes, in Christ in Ephesians, just six chapters. In Christ, in Christ. Give you another phrase? Abiding. In Christ. Same thing. Notice, secondly, the personal study and obedience to his word. The words of Jesus are at home with the person and not something strange or uncommon. How, how do you feel when you're under the word of God? Does it feel at home or are you uncomfortable? Does it find place in your heart and your life? Or do you, are you a smorgasbord Christian? Well, I take this, I'll leave that and, you know... Take all the jellies, all the pies, and forget the vegetables and the meats. And No, no, no. It, it's all, it all comes together. The words of Jesus are transforming him or her from day to day. He says it right there. My words abide in you. The words of Jesus are instructing them to do the will of God, not their own. We did our will in the world, right? That's why we came to Christ, right? Because we don't do our own will anymore. If you abide in, in my word, you are my disciples indeed, John 8, 31. If you abide in my word, you are my disciple indeed, John 8, 31. He's already told them that. And notice that the person will be able to ask what they desire, and it shall be what? Done for them. The promise must be seen in its context. The one who is abiding in Jesus, the vine, can ask anything. The one who is denying self, because that's part of the requirement of a disciple, right? The one who is picking up his cross and following Jesus. The one who is doing his will by asking it according to his will, not their own selfish desires. He can ask anything and it will be done for him. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. If we, this is the confidence we have. If we ask anything according to his will, we know that we will have it. 
Now, there are Christians who tell you that it is your divine right to ask anything of God. It is your divine right to have a car, to have a Lexus, to have a Mercedes, to, to be rich, to be healthy and wealthy. Nab it and grab it. <laughs> Let me suggest to you that these are branches cut off, not those that are abiding in Christ. They're writing their own ticket. They're not doing the will of God. The promise is that it will be done for him or her. And remember, God cannot lie, right? God uses prayer to align us with his will, to get his will done, not our own. And he allows his will to become our desire, and our desire then is lifted to him. So God always answers prayer, right? Why? Because prayer is initiated by God. And he begins to move in our heart to place a desire, and then we lift it up to him, and he gets to do what he wanted to do in the first place. You remember Moses in Exodus 32, 32? He walks up there. God says, Mo, I'm going to not wipe them out. I'm going to start a new nation, just you and me. Moses, oh, Lord, no. If you can't forgive them, then blot my name out of the book of life. We go, whoa, what a man of God. What a spiritual giant. Where do you think that prayer came from? Do you think Moses was that good? Moses says, you dirty, rotten people, you caused me. They caused him not to enter the promised land. Moses didn't like them sometimes, you know what I mean? They're like your kids as parents. You love your kids, but sometimes you don't like them all the time, you know what I mean? <laughs> God moved in the heart of Moses to intercede for Israel, and God did what he wanted to do from the first place. But he's always looking for a man to align himself with the will of God so that God can get his will done. Prayer is not an avenue for me to get my things done or my will done. Yes, there's an area for petitions, but that's not all of prayer. So let's understand prayer. I notice thirdly, the consequences of abiding and bearing much fruit are given. In verse 8, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciple. The Father is glorified. That's the first consequence of bearing much fruit. There's the ultimate progression, much fruit. He is the vine dresser working hand in hand with the vine to cultivate and care for the fruit harvest. He is the one who Jesus came to glorify, not himself. He's going to tell us that again in John 17, 4 in his prayer. He is glorified in the fruit in the believer's life. Now, we've gone through this whole allegory, but we haven't discussed what is the fruit. That's important, right? The fruit is not soul winning. It's not notches on your belt. The fruit is not works. Otherwise, we'd be working for our salvation. The fruit is not giving money. The fruit is the fruit of the Spirit that is mentioned in Galatians 5.22. What is that? Very, very simple. The fruit of the Spirit is agape love, and then joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Those are all manifestations of agape love. What has Jesus been talking about beginning chapter 13, a new commandment, 13, 34, 35? Love one another, Right? And all the way through, he intertwines it with their love, his love, the Father's love. Okay? This is the fruit. The fruit 
Es agape love, which brings the manifestation of gentleness, kindness, all of that. Are these things in you? That is the fruit that God is talking about. Unless you're attached to the vine, you cannot bring forth those things because you are a sinner and so am I. I bring forth selfishness, uh, envy, fornication, insults, all kinds of things. The fruit is the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Let me read you one more that is given to that regarding fruit, and that is in Second uh, Peter chapter 1. Let me read it real quickly for you. Uh, verse 5, he just told you he gave you a divine nature. He says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who's he talking to? He's talking to Christians there again. There it is. Again. The evidence of a disciple is the fruit, which is result of the word, which is a result of abiding in the vine. Love is a distinguishing mark of the believer, John 13, 34, and 35. Love is the same as the Father for the Son, and the Son for the Father, and the Father for us, and us for the Father, and us for the Son, and the Son for us. It's all the same. It's all intertwined in these chapters. You cannot miss it. This is the application regarding fruit. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the ways of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. These are the three movements in the discourse of Jesus regarding the true vine that bears fruit. The proclamation regarding the fruit is very clear and common for the day. The interpretation regarding the fruit Jesus gives it to us. And the application regarding fruit is to the disciple, the believer, not the unbeliever. Now, I don't mean to say that you can be lost one day and saved another. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about someone who's cut off, severed. And I have lived long enough to see people like this whose latter end is worse than the first, having been purified and cleansed from their sin, they return. Only one who has arrived can return, not a non-believer. Be careful of false security. You want security? You want assurance? Abide. Abide in Christ. 
Pastor Xavier Reese drawing to a close the simple truths that come with abiding in Christ. And we've been listening to a message Pastor Xavier has called The Vine and the Branches, a study from the 15th chapter of the book we're currently working our way through, The Gospel of John. Now, you may be interested to know that today's presentation can be heard again, anytime, by way of the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. But if you prefer your own personal copy on CD, we can make one available for only $4 upon request. And by the way, we'll be able to include everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. Just ask for the study, The Vine and the Branches, and address your request to Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. The cost is just $4. And that title, once again, is The Vine and the Branches. And when you contact us, thanks for letting us know the call letters of the station you're listening to. That information is very valuable to us, and we appreciate your help very much. Parting is such sweet sorrow, the saying goes. Well, when it came to Jesus bidding farewell to the disciples, Jesus explained how the end of his time on earth meant quite the opposite. That's the simple truth Pastor Xavier has for us the next time we're together. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com Music